Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. It was in 2009, and it was before I became the lead pastor here at the church, is there was a summer activity going on, and my role that summer was to be a game show host. And I was determined to be the best game show host I could be and had a great time with the kids that summer. And, but after the week was done, we kind of moved on. As often that happens in church, you do your event, you move on to the next thing. And I didn't really think about this event very much for a while, but then Christmas came. And Christmas came, and we had in our small group what we call Dirty Santa. You've done Dirty Santa before. Maybe you have your own name. But Dirty Santa, you know what Dirty Santa is. And, 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 and this year, it was just a simple $10 Dirty Santa game. I didn't know what I was going to bring. I didn't know what my, my, my thing was that day until I had a brilliant idea. And I went to Hobby Lobby, and I bought the best $10 picture frame I could find so that I could put this inside the picture frame. <laughs> I thought to myself, who doesn't want a picture of Pastor Scott being the best game show host I could ever be? And, 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 and let me tell you, it wasn't just that. I autographed it. Like, who doesn't want an autographed picture of Pastor Scott, right? So, so I take it to, to there, and you know, I realize, okay, Obviously, I'm joking a little bit. But that day, it was opened up. It actually did get stolen that first Christmas. Someone <laughs> wanted it. Now, you'd think the story was over, right? You'd think the story was over, but it wasn't. Because I'd forgotten about this picture, and I'd moved on, and next Christmas rolls around. Small group, dirty Santa, in this glorious moment of unwrapping happened. And there I see... The picture of Pastor Scott autographed that someone had brought it so others could experience the amazingness of this. And you would think the story was over. But the next year, we had another Christmas party, and we had Dirty Santa. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Someone opens the present, and there I am looking at them in their face. It had been brought again in all of its glory. And there I was, and I'm thinking about that moment, and I text somebody this week, and I, the person who had won it, and I said, is there by chance, do you have that gift still? You know what she said? Absolutely I do, Scott. Let me bring it to you this week. And here is the picture frame of Pastor Scott doing his thing with the autograph, the original. And I tell you this this morning, this is why it's important to be in small groups at church because you never know when you can end up with a picture autograph of Pastor Scott. Now I'm thinking about this. Why did this picture frame get passed along? And I'm thinking there's two major reasons. One I definitely prefer more than the other. The first reason is because Maybe the person who won it really didn't want it. But I think to myself, that can't be possible. That can't be the reason. Maybe it's just they're bringing funny to bring it back, but I know it's not because they didn't want it. So then there's a second reason, the preferred reason. And I begin to think one of the best things that we can do in life 
is a concept that we've all heard before, and that concept is pay it forward. You, you've heard that concept, right? One of the best ways we can love other people is to give them what has meant so much to us. When someone is blessed, you bless others. And so you know how this works, and I prefer to think that that day, those years when they brought it back, it wasn't because they didn't want it. It's because they were blessed for a year, and they just wanted to pass on the blessing to others. If you think that story is ridiculous, just remember it, because we're moving on today. We're moving on today to the series we started last week, right? Last week, we started this series titled, Off the Fence. Off the fence, and uh, I told you the story about me with the snake and running out of the house and, and ending up on the fence, right? And we, the essence of this series is we all find ourselves in places where we find ourselves on the fence of which side will we land on a decision that we have to make. We find ourselves in a place where we have to decide who or what is going to win. We have to decide how we're going to live our life. And so last week, was Easter. And I said, I want you to remember a phrase with me for the context of this message. And, and, and the phrase is, whatever side of the fence you choose often will dictate direction and outcomes for our life. Whatever side of the fence you choose often dictates direction and outcomes for our life because our decisions matter. Like I said, last week was Easter. And last week was the, the big celebration of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Last week was, was front and center, uh, the, the picture and the reminder of the forgiveness of Jesus. And, and we celebrate Easter because we need to be reminded we don't just have a future in heaven, but we have hope for today. Living in victory because of the forgiveness of Jesus. That's the essence. Jesus gave his life to forgive sin so we can have life in him. That is Easter. And this is where it brings me back to how I started today. It brings me back to my story of the picture frame. Is it possible? Is it possible that we can live a life of receiving the gifts of Jesus but don't pass those along to other people? Is it possible that we can live in the gifts, amazing gifts of Jesus, but are unwilling to pass those same gifts on to other people? I'm wondering, what would Jesus say today if the week after Easter, if we are willing, if we are people who are willing to celebrate the forgiveness of Jesus, but then not pass along the forgiveness to other people? What would he say the week after Easter? will receive it but not give it and I think you know what you, he, I think I know what he would say because it tells us in Matthew chapter 18 if you want to follow along your Bibles your phones whatever we'll have it on the screen but Matthew chapter 18 can I read a story about the life of Jesus here it is then Peter came up and said to him Lord how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times and Jesus said to him, I did not to say to you seven times, but I said 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. 
And we began to settle. One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything out of pity for him. The master of the servant released him and forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had taken place were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not, have, should, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. And Jesus said, So also... My heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Question. Is it possible? Is it possible to live in the freedom of salvation but still live in the prison of an unforgiving heart? Is it possible to live in the freedom of salvation, but still live in the prison of an unforgiving heart. uh, Freedom of salvation in the forgiveness of Jesus, but be held captive in our unforgivingness towards others. Let's look at this parable real quick, right? Let's work through what Jesus had to say. What was going on in this moment where Jesus felt it was so important to talk about unforgiveness? The question that Peter asks in this moment actually is a continuation for the story that happens right before this. Right before this is a moment that maybe you've heard of in the church before called the Matthew 18 principle. Have you ever heard that before? Matthew 18 principle. In case you haven't, essentially Jesus, right before this, has a conversation with his disciples and he's explaining to his disciples if something goes wrong, or somebody does you wrong in life. If somebody does something to you, here's how I want you to handle it. The first thing is you go to them. You bring what you have. The grievance you have, you bring to them. Now, if they don't listen to you, then you need to go get other people that you trust, their wisdom and, 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 and their following of Jesus. You need to bring, to, and, and, and bring them to have the conversation. If they still reject you, if they still don't want to hear what you have to say, they don't respond, and it's big enough that it needs to still be resolved, then you can bring it to church leadership, and, and this is how you want to go about it. So, so Jesus brings this to them. Essentially, Jesus is saying... Don't bring your business with other people to people who are not part of the scenario. And this is where I want to call a 20-second timeout just for us as a church. This is not the message, but can I talk to you? Just can I take this moment to bring this into our context? For our church, I want to tell you, don't bring your problems about people you have an issue with to people who don't have any part of the problem. 
I'll tell you, stop talking about issues if you're not willing to go to the person that the issue is with. We need to take Matthew 18 seriously. We need to treat other people the way we want to be treated when it comes to issues, conflict we have with each other. Because one of the biggest issues or one of the biggest ways that churches become hurt is when it becomes an unsafe place it becomes a place where people feel like they can't trust each other because when an issue arises, we go to people who have no part of the problem. And I just want to take 30 seconds, a minute, whatever that was, to say, if we want everything that God has for our church, if we want everything that God wants for our lives, we need to go about um, resolving conflict in a God-honoring and healthy way so that the enemy can't come in and bring division. And we've seen this play before. So it's not the teaching today. We'll get back to the regularly scheduled teaching. But can I just want to pause and say, this is what a healthy church looks like. And sometimes we have to remind each other, this is what Jesus says. All right? Okay, let's go back to where I started today. Okay, let's go back. Peter's question about forgiveness comes out of that conversation Jesus was having with the disciples. And so what Peter is basically asking is, okay, someone does something wrong to me. I get it, Jesus. There's a certain way I should handle it. I get it. But, and this is a but that we often ask, how many times do I have to forgive that person when they do me wrong? And Peter has to ask this question because Peter is brought up in a Jewish culture with Jewish rules, and, and, and Peter's brought up with certain teachings, and so, and so he has uh, people who have invested in him, and he's learned with teaching something like this, this quote from a rabbi in the 180 AD. This would be similar to the teachings. He would say, if a man commits a transgression one time, he is forgiven. If, a man, if for the second time, he is forgiven. If for the third time, he is forgiven. If for the fourth time, he is not forgiven. These were conversations in some circles, in, in, in Jewish circles. I mean, this is a direct quote. And Jesus is bringing a new culture. Peter knows, that G Peter knows that Jesus has new expectations. He's seen a lot of changes in how Jesus operates versus what he was brought up in. And Jesus is opening the, the limitations to this idea of forgiveness. And now he wants to see, okay, Jesus, if I'm going to follow you. Jesus, if I'm going to honor you. How do you want me to live inside this idea of forgiveness? And this should always be our question throughout life. Jesus if I'm going to follow you, tell me how you want me to walk through this. I may have my instincts, I may have my desires, but how do you want me to walk through this? So Peter is asking this question, so Jesus answers him. And Jesus answers in a way that would make sense to these people, and it will make sense to even us today. The, the, the answer he gave brought clarity in a way where I think it says, okay, I want you to think about forgiveness this way. Someone owes you 
a debt. Now, we know in this story, God is the master in this. We understand the concept of sin. We understand the concept, and once again, we've done Easter last week. We're in this week. We understand this concept, and, and Jesus is like, okay, you, you know what I'm talking about, a master. is owed debt. But the servant who can't pay the debt has, has a repenting moment. Please give me time. Please forgive this. Please just be patient with me. Please. And we see that the master responds, okay, I have pity on you. I'll forgive. And Jesus in this moment is giving a picture. This is how we should handle it. Not like this. Maybe you've seen it done this way before. That's not how we're going to do it. Jesus is using a story to help people understand. To forgive is like saying to somebody, the debt you owe me, you don't owe me anymore. He, he's giving a picture to say, that debt that I could hold over your head, I'm not going to do it anymore. That debt that, that I could just put in your face and I could hold this grievance, I'm not going to do that because that is ultimately what forgiveness is, isn't it? Because forgiveness is saying you don't deserve, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give you grace and not hold against you what you did to me. Jesus is answering Peter's question. But in reality, Jesus knows this is a question that many of us ask more than once in our life. Jesus is answering a question of how many times, how much, how often do I need to forgive others? The human condition that we see in the New Testament is the same human condition that we have. The brokenness we see in the New Testament is the same brokenness that you and I live in right, right now. And, we, and, and that's the reason that we see this isn't the only time this concept is spoken. This isn't the only isolated place that this truth is spoken. This isn't even the only time that is presented in the Gospel of Matthew. We we see Matthew talk about this in chapter 6. Simple words, he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now we've got Paul, who is raising up the church. He has to teach the church how to operate in this, and so in Colossians, he says, bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then he continues the conversation with the church in Ephesus when he says, be kind. Be compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just in, as in Christ God forgave you. Listen, the theme all throughout the Bible is you are loved. The theme throughout the Bible is you are forgiven. But also the theme in the Bible is just as you were forgiven, we are called to forgive. We are supposed to walk this out in our life. Now, I think we can all agree that this is not an easy truth. 
I don't know what you're thinking about right now. I don't know if something has popped up in your head since I began this conversation. Because we all have stories of something that someone has done to us. We all have a story of a reason that there's a deeper hurt under the surface because of what somebody has done to us. This is not an easy teaching, but the big question for today is going to be simply, is there someone in your life that you're withholding forgiveness from? What I want you to wrestle with this morning, this week after Easter, where we celebrated the forgiveness of Jesus, is there someone in your life that you're withholding forgiveness from? Do the circumstances of your story feel like the debt is too big for you to forgive? What is holding you back in your life? Now I'll tell you, when this conversation arises with people, one of the things I see people wrestle with Holding back forgiveness is because not sure what's on the other side of forgiveness. How you walk out forgiveness after you're willing to say, okay, I'll forgive. But what's expected and how I play that out? And so, just for clarity purpose, I want to I speak to maybe you if you're wrestling with this. That forgiveness doesn't always mean you forget the situation. Forgiveness doesn't always mean you go right back into the same situation that's hurt you. Forgiveness doesn't mean you trust right away again because, well, if I forgive and I have to trust, that may not be the case. So here's how I view forgiveness. is As a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is a non-negotiable. Hear me on this. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, forgiveness is a non-negotiable. But how you walk through post-forgiveness needs the wisdom of God because all situations aren't the same. That in certain situations, boundaries are needed. In certain situations, responsible distance is needed. In certain situations, accountability for these actions are needed. We need forgiveness. I mean, we need wisdom in how we forgive. But as a follower of Jesus, if I can't make it any more clear than this, forgiveness is a non-negotiable after we've been forgiven. Jesus, I think, takes this seriously. This is very important to him. But we still wrestle with this. We still struggle with this. Can I tell you, sometimes I think we struggle because our perspective is off. That sometimes we think of forgiveness as a, is um, a have-to situation versus a get-to situation. Hear me out. I think we look at forgiveness sometimes as something I have to do versus something I get to do. When Jesus asks us to operate in a certain way, no matter what it is, I want you to remember this. It's always for us more than even something from us. Forgiveness is not a have-to situation. It's a get-to situation. Jesus wants us to experience the giving of forgiveness because of the effects of it in our lives. And here's what I mean. When we don't forgive the way Jesus forgives, we miss out on some things. And the first thing is we miss out on growing our Christ-like 
character. When we don't forgive the way Jesus forgave, we miss out on the opportunity to grow that Christ-likeness in us. And I don't know if that's a big deal to you or not, but it is a big deal as a follower of Jesus. It's why we come back to it all the time here because of what changes in our life when we say, I want to live this way. See, see being like Jesus on this earth is, is, is embracing the value that we're going to be set apart from the rest of the world and how it operates. When Jesus says, be holy as I am holy, we think that word holy means be perfect as I am perfect. When he says, be holy as I am holy, he's saying, be set apart and be different. And our world doesn't know how often to forgive in a healthy way. But when we push ourselves to live in this set-apartness, when we push ourselves to live in set apartness of being like Jesus, forgiveness is always going to be part of that lifestyle. And when we don't, when we push back, when we cut that off, we are stunting our potential growth of becoming more like Jesus today. But to forgive and to forgive often allows us to see and experience a higher level of Christ-like character. And I believe this is the life we were created for. It is the life that he has for us. It's not a have to, it's a get to. The second thing is if we don't forgive the way Jesus forgave, we miss out on experiencing Jesus-centered freedom. We miss out on Jesus-centered freedom because unforgiveness is like a seed that continues to grow inside of us until we get rid of it. For unforgiveness is like a seed that grows inside of us and grows deeper and deeper roots inside of us. Think about it this way. This week, or last week, recently, um, Amber and I um, noticed that our shrubs in the front of our house were looking dead usually isn't the case and so we're like man she she starts seeing people talk about uh, what's gone on and i've talked to some buddies and and basically realized that um we'd gotten really hot right and then we got really cold and then we got hot again better known as alabama did alabama you know and, and, and it didn't look like the shrubs were coming back. And so, talked to, like I said, talked to a guy, and he's like, they may come back next year. You don't know, but they're probably going to look like that this year. Well, Amber and I were not the biggest fans of dead shrubs in our front yard. Like, who would have thought? So I get real manly, real manly, and I get a shovel. All right, I take that shovel out there, and I start digging it up. I get the first couple shrubs, they come up really easy. There's seven of them. First couple, they come up, and I'm just throwing them to the side like I'm doing manly things, you know? Like, I'm probably wearing skinny jeans as I do it, but I'm doing manly things right now. I get to a couple more, and they're not coming up as easy, and I've got to work my way around. And work. But I, I do that thing that's super athletic where you, like, put it in, and you do the two-foot jump, and you land on it, you know? Like, perfect landing. Like, I got it. Like, I'm doing my thing get it out and then there's two more left I'm digging around digging around and man it's deep like I'm not getting anywhere and so my father-in-law's there at the time and he was working on something and I, I, he saw me struggling with it and he's like hey let's do this let's get a rope and we're going to tie it to the front of your jeep because once again I'm getting even more manly another level right like, but, and I'm going to yank it out 
So that's what we do. We get it, and, and the first one, pop, like gets it. Like, I'm feeling good. Like, and get to the second one, it takes two or three times to do it. Eventually it gets out. And I'm thinking about what happens there, and I'm thinking about this message, and I'm like, listen, y'all, when we let forgiveness to uh, grow roots inside of us, it is hard to eradicate what's going on under the surface that we think is dead on the surface, but there's still life underneath because those ones that came out easily, the roots were dead, you could tell. Those ones that had to pop out with the Jeep, there's still some green in them, which meant there was life, and we don't think there's life still because what have happened... But if we haven't walked through forgiveness, those roots are still grabbing hold. And we don't get to experience the freedom that Jesus wants us to have because these roots of unforgiveness are grabbing a hold of us and won't let go. When we don't forgive the way Jesus forgives, we don't experience this Christ-centered freedom. And I think we can receive the salvation of Jesus and be freed from sin, but still live in a prison of unforgiveness. And it affects the things that are below the surface. And then the last thing is when we don't forgive the way Jesus forgave, we miss out on sharing the good news of Jesus to someone who needs to experience his love. And this is our primary purpose as followers of Jesus, that, that we are vessels of, of we've experienced the love of Jesus. Our life is built on the love of Jesus, that everything we do, we understand Jesus loves us, he forgave us, he has life for us, and so we live out of that. And, and how dare we be people that don't live in that love of Jesus and don't pass it along. I shared a stupid story about me in the frame and it being passed along. We will pass things along in life. You'll pass a lot of things along in life. But sometimes we get stuck on passing along forgiveness. And what happens is, is then people around us don't get to experience the very picture of love that we have experienced. And maybe we are stunting the ability for them to experience Jesus in a huge, abundant way. Because we're holding on to something that Jesus says you can't hold on. It's non-negotiable with me. You have to give it away. And so when we don't forgive the way Jesus forgave us, we maybe are missing out on sharing this loving forgiveness that we have received. Last week was great. Easter is great. It's fun to celebrate that. And I want to encourage you, live in the abundant forgiveness that the grace is greater than we can imagine with our life. The loving forgiveness we get from Jesus. Live inside that forgiveness. But what about today? What about this week? What will we do with the forgiveness we have been given? Is there somebody? Is there somebody that you need to let your heart forgive? Is there something that you're holding on to that you have to let go? That maybe today we can celebrate the forgiveness of Jesus, but then also in a, in a, in a mode of celebration, we give forgiveness in the name of Jesus. That maybe, maybe God wants to break us free free from the prison of unforgiveness so that we and other people can experience everything he has for us. I want to have this conversation on the other side of Easter because I don't want us to be fooled that, that 
the only thing that's asked of us is to receive the forgiveness of Jesus when Jesus says, no, there's more. I've got more for you. And maybe in life you get caught on the fence and you're not sure which side of the fence you want to go on. And maybe you have fallen on each side of the fence at different parts of your life. But the reality is, I think when I begin to think, uh, begin to speak this way, names and people can pop into your head. Things maybe you thought you forgave, but you didn't forgave, forgive. Things you've pushed to the side and you don't really want to deal with it. And Jesus maybe brings it back and goes, hey, that's down below and there's some roots to this. And you're not experiencing peace, joy, hope, victory, all of it with me because you're still harboring this. Can I encourage you that you would choose the side of the fence that Jesus chose? That you were worth it. And now he wants you to follow in his footsteps. And he says to Peter, if you're going to follow me, this is how you live. He's saying to you, if you want to be a follower of me, this is how you're going to live. To be a follower of Jesus, we need wisdom in how we do it. But it's a non-negotiable will we forgive other people? Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.